Coming up this evening, live from New York City. The launch of NASA's historic moon mission hits a snag and gets delayed. What's the reason? Tech billionaire Elon Musk weighs in on the debate over fossil fuels. He has a dire prediction. A new investment strategy is catching on. You can generate income from real estate just by working from your laptop. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here for NTD Business. Historic NASA mission was delayed today. It's a highly anticipated launch of NASA's space launch system and part of its latest mission to the moon. Its last attempt, Apollo, came half a century ago, would you believe it? NASA's administrator says in a high-risk business like spaceflight, you do have to scrap some launches. Uh, this is a brand-new rocket. It's not going to fly until it's ready. There are millions of components of this rocket and its systems. Uh, and uh, needless to say, the complexity uh, is daunting when you bring it all into the focus of a countdown. It was supposed to happen Monday morning, but one of the rocket's four engines wasn't able to hit the right temperature. Engineers need more time to figure out just what happened. The mission is called Artemis 1. The Artemis 1 launch was supposed to test out NASA's equipment in preparation for Artemis 2, in which four astronauts will be sent to orbit the moon. This is planned for 2024 or 2025. Artemis 1 has been postponed to September the 2nd, at the earliest, that is. It's around four days from now. And LG and Honda are investing $4.4 billion with a B dollars in the United States to produce batteries for Honda's electric vehicles. It's part of a growing trend of automakers building battery factories right here in the U.S. of A. Mass production of advanced lithium-ion battery cells will start by the end of 2025 with the plant producing batteries exclusively for Honda vehicles assembled here in America. Ford, General Motors, Toyota, Hyundai, Kia, Hyundai, Kia, Stellantis, and VinFast all have announced plans for 10 U.S. battery plants. LG already makes the batteries in joint ventures with General Motors and Ford companies. They're betting that demand for electric vehicles will grow here in the States and around the world. One of North America's largest electric vehicle events took place in New York this past weekend. Anthony Sean Marshall went there to check it out. Here at the Electrify Expo in Long Island, New York, we can test drive cars, skateboards, or motorcycles, or just hang out and have a good time. So what's the top speed of this car? <laughs> the top speed could be whatever you want it, really. Jump over each other in the air, there's gap jumps, there's all sorts of stuff. And this is an electric car that will do it. So it's a thousand horsepower. This is not a regular, uh, this is not your grocery getter. New technologies, sometimes called the Tesla of scooters, was giving scooter test drives and let me test out their fastest scooter. It's a kick scooter, electric kick scooter that has up to 40 miles in range. It goes about 24 miles per hour at max speed. So stability for us, we have a wider deck on our electric kick scooters. We also have a 15 degree pitch for our handlebar stem, which allows for a more comfortable ride. 
uh, and we also do uh, uh, incorporate a lot of safety features. The top EV car manufacturers were also showing off their latest vehicles. So Toyota has big plans for the future. We hope to have 70 electrified vehicles globally by the year 2025, which is right around the corner. And we hope to be carbon neutral by the year 2050. You know, we take it beyond just electrification. We also are going leather free in our interiors. We're very committed to responsibility in manufacturing and recycling of cars, you know, once their useful life has ended. And uh, so I think Volvo has a very exciting future. Can't leave out the water sports. The Seabob company has been around 10 years longer than the first Tesla has been around. We are the fun people in the water, so it's so easy to use from the beach, from a yacht, from a boat. Um, and they are even used for water rescue. Um, uh, more and more lifeguards use them because they are absolutely safe. The expo's next stop is Miami in October and then Austin, Texas in November. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And so as we continue to make more EVs and develop other forms of sustainable energy, apparently the world still needs to extract more oil and gas for civilization to endure. That's the message from Tesla CEO Elon Musk. He made the remarks in Norway, in Norway at an energy event where he said, quote, realistically, we do need to use oil and gas in the short term because otherwise civilization will crumble, end quote. He also says people should continue to use and further explore fossil fuels and, in the meantime, speed up the development of sustainable energy. Musk is at the conference to provide ideas for expanding wind power in the North Sea and the oil and gas industry as a whole. He's facing a wide range of hurdles, including a shrinking supply of capital, hostile regulatory environment, and a shortage of materials and labor. And here to talk to Anthony's Don Ma about Musk's comments is Daniel Turner and Jason Isaac. Turner, executive director of Power the Future, and Isaac, the director at Life Powered. Jason, Daniel, great having you on both here today. Let me go to you first, Jason. So at an energy conference in Norway, Elon Musk said that we need to continue using oil and gas in the near future. He says otherwise civilization itself will crumble. What's your thoughts on that? Is Musk maybe exaggerating a little bit? Uh, I don't think he's exaggerating. I think we're going to continue to use fossil fuels, not just for years, decades, or centuries, but for millennia to come. I think uh, Elon's finally realizing uh, that fossil fuels are essential for modern life and have led to uh, the greatest lifting of people out of poverty on the face of the earth that we've ever seen uh, in the history of mankind. And so I'm, I guess I'm excited to see uh, Elon finally coming around and recognizing the importance of fossil fuels because not a single one of his electric vehicles would be made without the use of fossil fuels. Okay. Daniel, your, your reaction to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Elon is right. Jason is right. Uh, the amount of fossil fuels required to make an electric vehicle is actually more than, than a regular uh, vehicle that uses a combustion engine. Um, all of them, the metals, the minerals, the rare earth elements that go into these electric vehicles are so labor intensive, so fossil fuel intensive, so that Elon is realizing, look, if we're going to use electric vehicles, if we're all going to buy Teslas, and I don't have a problem with electric vehicles. I hate the fact that they're unreliable. I hate that they're so expensive but let them compete in the marketplace. We have to recognize that they, they use more fossil fuels than if we got rid of them completely. So it's just nonsense to think we're ever going to get rid of fossil fuels anytime soon. 
Now, Jason, you say he's finally coming around. What are the obstacles with moving away from, like, oil and gas? Well, first of all, it's not necessary to do that uh, because we have at least a thousand year supply of natural gas. And we're finding out firsthand that this energy transition that the left envisions is not working out too well around the world. You look at Sri Lanka, the first ever candidate to run on a net zero platform, not even finishing his term in, of three years. His country went from exporting rice and tea to importing over 40 to 50 percent of their staples. Now, importing rice, the former president has fled to Singapore and resigned. Net zero doesn't do anything to mitigate a changing climate. It does everything to increase the cost of the food and the fuel that we depend on for modern life. Now, here's another thing that Musk said. He says it could take decades to actually transition to renewable energy to sustain an economy. Daniel, what's your take on that? How far are we from completely relying on renewables? What's your opinion? Well, it's never going to happen, at least not with the way the renewables work right now. The wind and solar are fascinating technologies. Um, but when you get down to the actual science of it, the amount of, of, of energy required to power our cities, to power our economy, to power our military, to power transportation and cargo, uh, renewables can't remotely come close to that. And, and you know, if we're going to look around the world, as Jason did with Sri Lanka, let's look at Germany, right? Germany is 20 years on the renewable uh, effort. They've invested half a trillion dollars to, to uh, um, go green and to build their wind capacity. And what's happening with Germany? They're cowering before Russia. They used to pay $70 per megawatt hour. They're now paying 1000 per megawatt hour. Um, their emissions are higher than they were 20 years ago. The city of Hamburg does not have hot water. Their factories are closing. So, so I got to ask Germany, when does the good part of going green work? And why would anyone follow this failed example? So no, we're never going to, quote unquote, go green. It's just an absolute myth. Now, Jason, you say it's not necessary to really, you know, go to renewables. But what do you say to the arguments against using oil and gas? For example, they release greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Yeah, those greenhouse gases are necessary for life on Earth. And where we've been a world leader here in the United States is actually reducing pollution that causes harm to humans. We've reduced that pollution 78% over the last five decades. And that's why the left and the climate cult wants to focus on CO2, which is 0.04% of our atmosphere. And mitigating it, eliminating it, does nothing to reduce any temperature that we're going to see over the next 100 years. Any warming that we're going to continue to see is going to be mild and manageable. People are starving in Sri Lanka. People are going to freeze to death this winter in Germany and throughout the EU. The average American family uses almost a megawatt hour of electricity a year. Imagine your electric bills going from $70, as Daniel pointed out, to over $1,000 just in a month. That's unattainable, and that's why there's advertisements being pushed all around the UK today telling people not to pay their utility bills, because this path, this road to net zero is paved with human lives. All right, just one last thing, Jason, I want to go to you on this. There's something else that's been talked about recently. Just what's your reaction to California's ban on new gas cars? 
<laughs> it's just going to increase the pain that people are feeling. It's going to increase the population in Texas where I am because more people are going to be fleeing the state of California where they can where they can no longer live a healthy, prosperous life to states like Texas where they can because they're going to continue to be able to use fossil fuels here in this state. Uh, it, it's atrocious. It's an attack on the poor. That's why there's a, a civil rights organization, actually over 200 civil rights organizations are suing the state of California saying their environmental policies violate the Civil Rights Act and have a disparate impact on communities of color there in the state of California. And that's exactly what Governor Gavin Newsom is doing, is he is crushing communities of color and the least among us more than anyone else. Daniel, your reaction as well? Yeah, if, if renewables were so great, if wind and solar and electric vehicles were this, this panacea that was going to solve all the world problems, you wouldn't have to ban the combustion engine. You wouldn't have to use hundreds of billions of dollars of congressional money, of money to force it down people's throat. You wouldn't have to buy out the green industry with votes. You wouldn't have to mandate them through, through state and, and federal and municipal uh, requirements and government mandates. So, look, I have no problem with wind and solar and electric vehicles. Let all things uh, uh, survive in the marketplace. But it just always strikes me as funny that without government money and government coercion and force and banning the competition and the Biden's war on fossil fuels, these technologies would really be relegated to just academia and, and Ivy League conversations, because um, that's where they belong, quite frankly. All right. Thank you very much for your insight today. Daniel Turner, CEO at Power of the Future. Jason Isaac, director at Life Powered. Pleasure to have you on today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin has vowed not to follow California's ban on gas cars. California recently adopted rules that all new vehicles sold there must be zero emission by 2035. The rule would also have an impact in Virginia since the state passed a bill in 2021 that requires Virginia to follow California's emission rules. Youngkin says that to go along with the California rule is, quote, ridiculous. That bill was passed during a Democrat-controlled legislature in Virginia, but now Republican leaders there have pledged to end it. And down on Wall Street today, stocks closed lower. The Dow lost 184.6 tenths of a percent. S&P fell 27.7 tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq dropped 124.1 percent today. Now, imagine buying real estate, renting it out, and generating passive income all from your laptop. As investors buy more and more houses, a large number are doing it without even visiting the properties. They just call Fredrickson. There's more. Investors are buying far more homes right now than they were before the pandemic, and among those investors include laptop landlords. Typically, the best deals nationally aren't in your own local market. The best deals are typically in other markets. So you want to buy in a market where you have a reasonable expectation of job growth and a diversity of economic sectors. Keith Weinhold is the host of the Get Rich Education podcast, as well as the author of Seven Money Myths That Are Killing Your Wealth Potential. Weinhold buys and rents real estate 100% from his laptop and phone without setting foot on the properties himself. I do research on the market, making sure that I'm buying a property in a growing job market. And then secondly, I do research on, you know, who's a good turnkey real estate provider using things like, you know, Google reviews and Yelp reviews. Investors can use data services to research neighborhoods online. They can look at things like crime rates, sales prices, and infrastructure. An educated 
investor can do turnkey investing. However, they need boots on the ground like an experienced agent who they really trust thoroughly. Erin Sykes is the chief economist of Nest Seekers International, a luxury real estate brokerage firm. Sykes says investors need to intrinsically understand the community they're investing in. I would not recommend going in blind uh, to an area that you don't know. You don't know the trends. You don't know um, those boots on the ground. You don't know agents. You don't know contractors. You don't know uh, other landlords. You don't know the going rates. So all of those things you need to really have experience in. Sykes suggests it's more important to have someone visit the property, even if it's not yourself. She says the internet can be inaccurate and pictures and listings can be misleading. Well, we've been investing out of area for a long, long time, and we've always done it by traveling to the market, getting to know the market. Russell Gray is a co-host at the Real Estate Guys radio show. Gray believes in visiting the neighborhood in person. When you go into a new market that you haven't been to before, you're looking for things that you can't find online. You look at the quality of the infrastructure, the freeways well taken care of. Does the community appear to care about itself? You drive around neighborhoods, you look for signs of over supply. Gray believes the internet is a powerful tool, but doesn't replace in-person visits. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. And the Federal Trade Commission sued a data broker for allegedly selling sensitive location data. The FTC's suit is against the Coachava company, which boasts major brands like Disney, Hilton and McDonald's as clients. According to the complaint, Coachava published samples of customer data on Amazon's cloud services and offered additional information for those who said they'd pay for it. Privacy advocates say new state laws banning abortion could lead to possible danger for people searching online. They say that could lead to potential discrimination or violence. So far, there's been no comment from Coachava. Still to come. A mint-conditioned baseball card sells for millions of dollars, breaking the record for the most ever paid for a sports collectible. A museum in Chicago challenges our perceptions. We take a look inside a world where not everything is as it seems. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. back. The federal government is ending its offer to ship free at-home COVID tests, ending it this coming Friday. The Biden administration first launched the program through the COVID.gov website in January. Americans were able to order four free tests per household then. Now they could place and could place a second order in March. A third round began in May, making every household eligible for more than a dozen COVID tests. COVID.gov website now shows a message saying that ordering tests will be suspended Friday, September 2nd. The reason? Congress hasn't provided the additional funding necessary for the program to continue. And summer's not over yet, but Starbucks will bring back its popular fall beverage this week. The pumpkin spice latte will be available on Tuesday. 
but just be ready to pay a little more for it this year. Depending on the location, the Grande-sized Hot PSL will cost customers between $5.45 and $5.95. That's about a 4% increase compared to last year. Starbucks and other chains have increased menu prices gradually over the past year due to inflation. The PSL's return brings back Starbucks fall menu along with pumpkin cream, cold brew and apple crisp macchiato, among others. It also reopened the debate whether it's too early for a fall menu at all and for everything pumpkin. A survey last year found over half of Gen Z say they're obsessed with all things pumpkin spice. They'll be happy then. And some people are firm believers in seeing is believing, suggesting they believe only what their eyes see as truth. But can we really trust what we see? The D takes you down a mesmerizing world to find out. Here's the story. The Museum of Illusion Chicago held a special Dog Days of Summer event over the weekend to welcome visitors and their furry friends. Stacy Steck, marketing manager of the museum, says the illusions not only entertain, but also educate. It's all designed to mess with your brain and confuse you, uh, but also to educate you. So we call ourselves an edutainment concept where you are going to laugh and have a great time and get some fun photos, but you're also going to learn a thing or two about vision, perception, and the brain. The tilted room creates gravity-defying magic. It looks like I am able to defy gravity right now with the way that I'm leaning back. Um, I'm actually on a slanted surface, but the cool thing is the camera doesn't pick that up. The Ames Room was created by an American ophthalmologist and psychologist. Two people walk inside and they appear to grow and shrink as they go from one corner of the room to the next. It's essentially an experiment in forced perspective, hence creating an illusion. The vortex tunnel confuses visitors' brains and vestibular systems. There is a tunnel that you walk into, which we're standing in right now, and it's spinning around us, and it creates the illusion um, that you are actually spinning. So right now, it feels like you and I are not on a flat surface, but I promise that we are. So this illusion throws off your balance and equilibrium just a little bit. Frankie Hodges from Chicago poses with her little dog, an illusion created by the Boucher chair. Don't believe everything you see. <laughs> For, for instance, him looking like he's not as tall, as big as he is, and you know, in that picture we just took, so <laughs> that's not true. We all know he's like 5'6 on his hind legs, so yes, I love it here. It's really nice. Kajri Asthana and her friends look like off the wall, but this is only a trick done by rotating the video. Seeing is not always <laughs> believing because you don't know until you actually come in, so it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, it's a very good museum. Many more illusions at the museum challenge visitors to see things differently and reveal how human brains interpret reality. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. <laughs> I hope she wins. And a Mickey Mantle baseball card from 1952 sold for $12.6 million when the extended bidding for the auction ended Sunday. The card had set a new record for sports cards. Several weeks of online bidding saw the card easily surpass the previous record of $7.25 million. The Mantle card was last sold in 1991 by a well-known card collector. They called it the finest known example. The buyer back, the buyer back then purchased the card for $50,000, meaning Sunday's sale was over a 25,000% increase in value. The Mantle card also set a new record for all sports memorabilia past this year's $9.3 million sale for a soccer player's jersey from the 1986 World Cup.
That's the latest in the NTD business team. I'm myself, Paul Graney. You can follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there. And if you have any news, tips, or feedback for this show, you can email us, business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.